Well, Acts chapter 8, the Acts of the Apostles, the actions of the people, the picture, the idea that God used the people, that He raised up not only those that Jesus called as He walked in ministry during His time on this earth, but then it began to expand. It began to grow, and that's what we talked about last week, and Charles uh, shared about how they chose men from among them, and we'll read that, that verse, those couple of verses again in a few moments. But before we do that, I want to take us to Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. And I want to look at uh, just these first few verses, uh, verses 1 through 3 of Acts chapter 8, because it kind of sets the stage for what we're going to talk about today. It sets the stage for this, this, this spreading of the gospel beyond Jerusalem. And so it said in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Saul agreed with putting him to death. Now, I want to just stop right there and kind of punctuate that passage. You ought to underline that in your Bible, and next week we'll look at Acts chapter 9, verse 1, which also you'll be able to underline in your Bible so that you can see the, the context of the understanding of who Saul was before he came to Christ. So Stephen had just been murdered, right? We talked about that last week. And so, right out of the gate here in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, Saul agreed with putting him to death. In Acts chapter 9, the first verse, it talks about how Saul was continuing to murder those who were following Christ. Saul was a bad dude, let's put it that way, right? I mean, he was someone who was doing some really bad, bad things. And it goes on to say in this passage, and on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles, apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. It says, devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. The New King James Version says that he was bringing, wreaking havoc on the church. It says he would enter house after house, drag off men and women and put them in prison. And again, in Acts chapter 9, it talks about how he put them, uh, he would actually put them in prison, but he also would murder them. And so you can see the persecution that began in this context of what took place beginning with the death of Stephen. And when Stephen lost his life, the beginning of that journey, what took place beginning in that moment is something that, that transformed the church of Jesus Christ. Because out of persecution and out of opposition, the church began to grow, and people began to hear the gospel, and people began to be reached. And here's why. It was because of the actions of the people, because of the faithfulness of the people that God had called, that they were willing to stand up and to do exactly what it is that God had called them to do. And so today, we're going to look at the life of one of those men. We're going to look at the life of one of those that God called, that, that was faithful, that stepped out of his comfort zone and made a difference. And the man that we're going to look at today is named Philip. Now let's go back if we could, Acts chapter 6, it's going to be on your screen, you don't need to turn back, but it says in Acts chapter 6, verses 5 and following, it says, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch, and they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, again, Charles talked about this last week. They chose men from among the church there uh, because of conflict that was going on, because of some, some challenges that were happening within the church. They knew that they needed more people to serve, more people to make a difference, more people uh, to stand in the gap, to, to impact and to help foster growth within the church. Philip was one of those men. 
Philip was one of those men, along with Stephen, that was chosen. Now, obviously now, we saw what took place in chapter 6 and chapter 7 of Acts. We saw that Stephen lost his life. And so now we come to the story of Philip, who had every reason in the world to, like, disappear after he had seen what took place with Stephen. After he'd seen Stephen lose his life, he had every reason to run for the hills, to hide, but that's not what took place. Why? Because the very fact that Paul was cho- Philip was chosen, Philip was chosen because of his faithfulness. Because of his faithfulness, he was chosen. In verse 3 of Acts chapter 6, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom who that we can appoint to this duty. When you look at that statement, good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom, that's who Philip was. Philip was a man that was chosen because he had already proven himself. He was already someone who was walking in faith and living the kind of life that was impacting and influencing the church in a positive way helping to grow the church. Now, we go back to Acts chapter 2, and we know that the church was already growing, expanding widely. In fact, in the last part of Acts chapter 2, it says that, that the Lord added to them daily those who were being saved. The church was rapidly uh, progressing and rapidly growing. Philip was part of that story. Philip was part of the ones that God was using to expand the church, to grow the church. And because of that, here he was chosen to be one of those men of Acts chapter 6, to continue to grow, to continue to foster the impact of the local church. And so, he was given an important responsibility. Now, I'm not going to go back and revisit what Charles talked about last week. You know the reason that they were chosen, uh, the ministry, the impact that was taken. Philip was one of those men. He was one of those men that was uh, called out to be the kind of person that would make that difference and to, to, to help to minister to those people around him. And that's an important distinction. It's an important part of this story because when you look at the life of Philip and you look at what is going to take place next after Stephen lost his life, it's important to know that this was a man who was faithful and a man who took his responsibilities seriously. He took them seriously. In other words, we look around this room today, there are thousands of people gathered in this room. There are many more that will be in the next service. People that God has brought into this room and brought into this local church. If we went around the the city of Lynchburg today, we could go to hundreds of other churches, and there are men and women sitting in those churches today, serving in those churches today. And the question that I would have, how many of us are taking seriously the responsibility that God has placed on our shoulders to impact, to influence, and to lead the local church. You see, it's not just my job to lead this local church. It's not just these deacons that you saw a few moments ago. It's not just their responsibility to lead this local church. It is all of our responsibility, our corporate responsibility to lead this church. Philip was one of those men. He was that kind of person. Now, Understand, when you talk about the reason that Philip was chosen, he was chosen, you go back again to verse 3 of Acts chapter 6, good reputation, full of the Spirit, and wisdom. And so you see in your notes there, the bottom part of the first point of our sermon today, where it just simply asks ourselves a question, like kind of makes us think about it, would they choose me? Think about that for a moment. Think about you and your journey and your life and and what you do on a daily basis, and how you live, and how you treat others, and how you act 
towards others. Philip was chosen not because he was a gossip. Philip was not chosen because he was always causing conflict and problems, not because he was always someone who was deceptive to others and and causing problems everywhere he went. He was chosen because he was a man of a good reputation and full of the Spirit of God and wisdom. Would they choose you? It's an important question for all of us to ask because when we look at our responsibility, our responsibility, just as Philip's was, is to lead this church. That's your job. That's your responsibility. It's not given to you by me. It's given to you by God. Go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He was not talking to pastors. He was talking to all of us. He was talking to every single one of us who are part of the family of God. Would they choose you. Now, obviously, Philip was chosen. And we read a few moments ago in the context after Stephen was martyred and the persecution that began, Saul was like, you know, wreaking havoc. Again, as New King James Version says, wreaking havoc in the church. And so, as a result of that, something took place. Something took place. And and so, I want to just kind of understand, help you understand it from this passage in Acts chapter 8 of exactly what began taking place. But before we do that, the, what the result of what was taking place was this. Philip was one of the first missionaries. He became one of the first missionaries. We talk about missions a lot. We've got missionaries all over the world right now that are serving literally all around the globe. And it all goes back to this story. It goes back to this moment in church history. Now let's read in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 8 beginning with verse 4. <clears throat> It says, so those who were scattered went on their way preaching the Word. Now, understand that. And remember, Stephen had just been killed for his faith. He had just been killed because he was faithful. And now it says, those who were scattered, those who were being persecuted, those who were being chased down by Saul, it says, they went on their way preaching the Word. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw the signs that he was performing. And so, again, Saul's persecuting the church. And Philip, again, in his faithfulness, he recognizes he must continue to preach the Word. He's not going to allow himself because he's a man of good reputation, a man that was full of the Spirit of God, who took his responsibilities seriously. He was not going to allow what took place in Stephen's life to make him run for the hills. And so, it says that he went down from Jerusalem to Samaria. Now, when we hear that, we naturally think that he went south, right? We think of that because when you say he went down, you think, well, he went from north to south. I've got this little map that I want to put on the screen right now that kind of gives us a picture of exactly uh, where Philip went. And so you see there, Jerusalem is there in the, like the bottom third of that picture. Now, Jerusalem, if you've ever been there, uh, it's at 2,575 foot of elevation. And so it's pretty high. It's a, it's a much higher uh, locale than, than Lynchburg, area, uh, Lynchburg area is. So it's 2,575 feet. So it says he went down to Samaria. He actually went dead north to a city called Sebast. And there he traveled dead north down to Sebast, which was about 600 feet uh, above sea level. And so, that's what it talks about, that he went down. So, he went way up north, all the way up into Samaria. This is the first picture of the gospel moving outside of Jerusalem after Jesus was crucified and after he rose again. 
This is the fulfillment of what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, already happening, growing, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, in Judea, spreading out of Jerusalem, and now in Samaria, as Philip was sent as one of the first missionaries to take the gospel to the people there. And so Philip obeyed God. He did exactly what God told him to do. He allowed his circumstances not to hamper his ministry, but rather rather to expand his ministry. And so this passage says that he went on up, or actually went down, but up, you got the picture, and he went up to Sebastian and he began preaching the gospel. And the people began listening. And as they began listening to him, as they began hearing his message, because he was able to actually do things that the the apostles themselves were able to do, he was able to actually perform miracles because of the power that God had given to him through the, the Holy Spirit of God. And what ended up happening is this, is that even those far from God responded to his faithful message. People who had walked away from truth, who were avoiding truth, who were running from truth, they began to respond to his faithful message. Look what it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 9. And a man named Simon had previously practiced sorcery in that city and amazed the Samaritan people. While claiming to be somebody great, they all paid attention to him from the least of them to the greatest. And they said, this man is called the great power of God. They were attentive to him because he had amazed them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Even Simon himself believed. And after he was baptized, he followed Philip everywhere and was amazed as he observed the signs and the great miracles that were being performed. Now, underneath that line there which says performed, I want you to write this word, uh, this statement, Simon the sorcerer. That is a phrase you will hear often when you are reading the scriptures, when you're reading, you know, books about the book of Acts, you'll hear that statement, Simon the sorcerer, someone who came to believe in Christ as a result of the ministry of Philip. Now, here's what I want you to do, because a lot of times we kind of stop there, and we don't really get the, <clears throat> the picture here of exactly what took place. I want you to write out beside Simon, Simon the sorcerer there, and just put this, a big question mark. Because we don't really know whether Simon's conversion was legitimate. We don't really know if Simon was actually someone who truly believed. In fact, if you keep reading down in this passage around chapter, uh, verses 18, 19, and 20, it even says that he then went to the apostles when Peter came there. He went to the apostles and he was like wanting to buy the Holy Spirit. He wanted like, hey, hey, I want to give you some money so that I can actually perform some of those miracles that Philip was performing, some of the ones that you, Peter, are performing. And he wanted to do it because he saw it as a good opportunity to make some cash. Remember, all the people thought that Simon was God. They thought that he was actually the power of God. And so now when he sees the real power of God coming into this area, coming into Samaria, he's like, hey, listen, I want to figure out how I can get that power so I can use it to my advantage. And so we really don't know exactly what took place. We do know many people came to know Christ as a result of Philip's ministry uh, there in Samaria. Simon's a big question mark. Now, that's important, and you'll see why it's important in a few moments. We understand that Philip was willing, he was obedient, he was faithful, he went into Samaria as one of the first missionaries and began to preach the Word of God. Now, let's continue on here. 
We see here not only was he someone who was uh, faithful, not only someone who was a first missionary, but we also recognize that Philip was someone who continued to listen carefully. He listened carefully to the Word of God. He listened carefully to exactly what it was that God was telling him. After what took place in Samaria, after the gospel was preached and people were being reached and his impact and his ministry was something that was powerful. I mean, the people were listening to everything Philip had to say. Look what it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go. In other words, what Philip heard was, hey, we know you're having an impact here. I know you're doing great work here in Samaria, but it's time to get up and go. If you can keep reading that passage in in verse 26, it says that he was to, to get up and go and to leave exactly where he was there in Samaria and to go down from Jerusalem, to go down the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, I want to put the map back up on the screen here so we can see where Philip is going. So, Philip is there in, in Sebast, up in Samaria. He's up there doing ministry. He's reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is doing some great, great things to his ministry. But then the angel of the Lord shows up and says, hey, I want you to go south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, you look on this map, you see that arrow that's coming back down from Sebast there, down to Jerusalem, and then you'll see what it says, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem, Jerusalem down over to Gaza. That's quite a travel. Hey, he did not have a, a Tesla, you know, back in those days. He wasn't able to, to jump in the car and head south and drive. You know, if you were to drive that road, it's not a long way. It's not a great distance. Israel's a very small country. But when you're walking, it takes a long time. Now, Philip could have stayed in Samaria. God was using him. He was doing some great things there in ministry uh, in that area, but, but yet he was willing to listen. He was always listening to the presence and the power of God. He was listening carefully to exactly what it was that God had to say. And so though Philip was having great impact, he wanted to make sure he was always focused on God's will. He wanted to always make sure that he was focused on God's will for his life. Man, what a great lesson for us. That no matter when we're comfortable, no matter when we're actually in the right place, no matter when we think that like things are going great, and this is where God's, well, God wants me to be, Philip teaches us that we always have to make sure that our ears are tuned in to what God's plan is next. What's the next step? What's the next journey? You see, the easiest road would have been for him to continue in his current ministry, but God called. So here's the question. What if God called you? To go. What if God called you to go? What if God called you to move from where you are today? What if God called you to step out of your comfort zone? Certainly this was a stepping out of the comfort zone that Philip had. I mean, he was having a great and a dynamic and a powerful ministry, and now the angels say, no, no, now I want you to head down to Gaza. And so he heads south. He heads down to where God had called him to go. What if God called you to go? Would you be willing to move? And so we understand from this passage, we understand from uh, the story that Philip gives to us that he was someone that, that, that was always ready to go, always ready to move, which tells us, number four, that Philip obeyed without hesitation. He didn't wait. 
He didn't call together a committee to pray about it. He didn't want to sit back and like, hey, give me a few months to pray it through. No, the minute that God called him to go, he went. Look in verses 29 of Acts chapter 8. The Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. Verse 30, so when Philip ran up to it. Notice what he did. When the Spirit said go, here's what he did. He didn't walk. He didn't think about it. He didn't consider the alternatives. He didn't kind of, you know, strategize. He didn't read, you know, kind of church growth books on what to do next. Here's what he did. He ran. Man, what a great lesson for us. God will never call you to the next place without giving you everything that you need to get there and to be successful. God will never call you to go to a place that it leads to failure. God will never call you to a place, to a ministry, to an opportunity that He knows that you don't have a prayer of completing. God always calls us to victory. When God says go, know this, God's got a plan on the other side. Now, you may not know it. In fact, I would say that probably 99% of the time, you're not going to know what's next. You're not going to know what that rest of the journey looks like. You're not going to know what the the victory looks like and how you're going to get there. And you might even think there is no way in the world that I'll be able to actually succeed. But let me just tell you something. If God calls you to it, victory is assured as long as we obey. Man, what a great promise. What a great statement that is. You see, we've got to recognize, man, we have to obey without hesitation. And so, in your life, where you are, in what areas of your life today are you waiting rather than running? Where are the areas in your life that today you're kind of sitting back and you're waiting for like the next sign, waiting for the next like lightning bolt to strike, right, to to tell you like, like this is what I'm supposed to do. God will never call you to ministry for tomorrow. When God calls you to ministry, it's for now. I've told you before, I can't tell you how many uh, individuals that I've talked to through the years that said, man, God's called me to ministry, and so I'm going to prepare, I'm going to do some work, and and one day I'm going to go into ministry. No. When God calls you to ministry, He wants you to serve now. When God calls you as a pastor, He doesn't want you to wait until you graduate from seminary and go out and, and find a church where you can serve in. If God's called you to ministry, get involved in ministry now. I mean, there are so many ways and so many opportunities for people to be involved in ministry. There are people in this room right now that God clearly has called you to go into ministry, and you're sitting back saying, well, I don't know what to do. Hey, let me give you a newsflash. There's a million opportunities for you to be in ministry today. Man, you can do it right here at Thomas Road. Man, on Wednesday nights, our student ministries, man, they're killing it on Wednesday nights of what God is doing there. Come and get involved in that. Children's ministries, man, there's opportunities like crazy for us to get involved in serving the children of this church, the children of this community. Man, get involved in that. In fact, in a couple of weeks, on August the 29th, I think it is, we're actually expanding back to our normal operation where we're going to have two hours of children's ministries, not just one. And and man, we need more people to serve, more people to get involved, more people to get engaged. Man, people, not getting, some of you guys like, I knew I should have asked her. No, I'm not talking about that. Get engaged in ministry. There's lots of opportunities, lots of places for you to serve. When God calls you to ministry, start now. And it might be something just as simple as sharing your faith with the people around you, of being willing to say, let me tell you what God has done for me. Make no mistake, that is ministry. Philip responded without hesitation. He obeyed instantly. And number five in your notes, 
He never ceased to share the gospel. Could that be said of you? Like Philip just never stopped. You know the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, man. He went and he ran after that chariot. He jumped in that chariot. Man, I can imagine that, you know, the the Ethiopian eunuch was probably a little bit nervous when that guy jumped in, right? And, And he jumps in and, man, he just begins to share the gospel. Look what happened in verse 40. After he had talked with the Ethiopian eunuch and after he had led him to Christ and after he was baptized, it says that he was then kind of miraculously lifted from that place and he was taken into another city. Again, pull the map up there if you would. And you'll notice that on the map here, after he was on that road, that desert road going down to Gaza, and he was there and somewhere along that road, we don't know exactly where, that's where he led the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. And all of a sudden it says that, that he was, by the angel of the Lord, he was moved, like miraculously, like, like, you know, this is kind of like the Star Trek transporter, you know? He was moved from one place to another up to uh, Ashdod there, and he was moved up there, and he began again preaching the gospel along the way. Every Everywhere that he went, he was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, Philip had an incredible opportunity of ministry. It says in verse 40, he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea, which is way up north in Israel. His passion was to see people like the Ethiopian eunuch come to Christ, and he saw it as his mission. What's your mission? Like, what is it, if someone said, like, what is your mission that God has given to you? Probably a lot of us in this room would, like, him haul around, like, man, I, you know, I, I think God wants me to do this, and I think God would. Hey, let me give you a really quick, clear, concise answer that is true of every person sitting in this room and every person watching right now. God's mission that He has given to you is to share the gospel. Every one of you. It's clear. You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to think about it. And He gives us opportunities to do it in a lot of different ways, but our mission is to share the gospel, all of us. You see, we recognize that just like Philip, man, we've all been sent. We've all been called. Are we going to go? Now, there's a little postscript in this story. Because Philip, while he is all over Acts chapter 8, he kind of disappears until you get to Acts chapter 21. And it gives us a picture that on point number six in your notes, Philip saw his ministry beyond his own generation. You see, he wanted to make sure not only did he reach people while he was here, he also wanted to make sure that he left the opportunity for people to reach people with the gospel after he was gone. Look what it says in chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. The next day we left and we came to Caesarea where we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, There he is again, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. And look what it says in verse 9. This man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. In other words, four daughters who were continuing in ministry, continuing to tell people about the gospel, continuing to be used by God uh, of reaching people with the gospel. So what steps are you taking today to ensure that your work for him, your work for the gospel, your work for the kingdom, to make sure that that work remains? What are you doing to make sure that when you're dead and gone, ministry continues? Because I can just tell you this, if all you're worried about is what you accomplish, then you're really not doing it for God, you're doing it for you. I remember years ago, someone asked my dad the question, and he was talking about uh, his ministry, and they were like, like, what do you think your legacy will be? Like, Like, what do you think your legacy will be? And they were expecting some big spiritual answer. 
And, you know, they were expecting him to say, well, you know, it's the church. And it's, and, you know, he didn't even mention that. You know, he talked about his family. He talked about, you know, what God had allowed him to do at Liberty and all those kinds of things. And the person asking the question was actually offended. It's like, why in the world would you not talk about Thomas Road Baptist Church being your legacy? And here's what he said. He said, because the church is never my legacy. That's God's church, not mine. What are you doing to make sure that your work remains? So a couple quick questions that we'll end up with today. Number one, are you known for your faithfulness? Are you known for your faithfulness? Philip was known for it. Are you? Number two, are you willing to step outside of your comfort zone? Are you willing to, to go when God calls? Are you willing to run when God says, go there? Are you willing to do whatever is necessary to take whatever steps must be taken to ensure that you're following the will of God for your life, even if it means stepping out of your comfort zone? And number three, do you obey without hesitation? Are you willing to answer the minute God calls? The minute that he calls, are you willing to run? Obedience is the key to kingdom impact. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter whether you're a pastor or whether you're a businessman or a businesswoman, doesn't matter if you're a teacher, a nurse or a nurse or a doctor, doesn't matter if, if you're retired, it doesn't matter. Obedience is the key to kingdom impact. Because you remember a couple of moments ago, all of us are called, our mission is to share the gospel. And only when we obey will we truly change the world. Man, let's live like Philip. Here's a guy that we don't know a whole lot about in the Scriptures, only mentioned a couple of times, but where he is mentioned, even today, 2,000 years later, what we remember about him is he's a man who was faithful, he's a man who obeyed, he's a man who ran into the opportunities that God gave to him, and he changed his world. Let that be your story. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the influence that it gives, that provides. God, I pray that you would allow each person Lord, who studies this passage today, Lord, be a person who is faithful, who's obedient, who understands their call and runs to it. And God, we'll give you the praise for it. God, for those who are gathered here watching, listening, maybe who are the ones that need to be called, the ones who need to come into that relationship with you through your son, Jesus, I pray that in this moment, God, that they would recognize the greatness of the gospel that you love them so much that you gave your only son, Jesus, who died and who was buried and who rose again, who paid for their sins. And according to scriptures, if we would simply believe that with all of our hearts, God, that you will save us. Lord, I pray that today this would be that moment. And God, for that, we give you the praise as well. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, in a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing together. Our team is gathering here. The altar is open. And if you're here today, and let's say that you have never come to the place where you have believed that Jesus is God's Son. Maybe you've heard the gospel a thousand times, and if you go to our church, you have. But maybe you've never responded. You've never said, yes, I believe that Jesus is God's Son. I believe that He died and that He rose again. Maybe today that's what you need to do. Maybe you've never heard it before right now. Regardless of what that might be, man, everyone needs to know that there's only one Savior, and that is Christ the Lord. And so in a moment when we stand, I'm going to invite you to come down to this altar and talk with one of our team members here. Let them share with you who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to do for you today. 
Maybe you're a person who wants to come down and just pray, God, I want to be an evangelist like Philip. Man, I want to be faithful. I want to be obedient. I want to tell people about the gospel. Maybe you just want to come and just pray, God, give me those opportunities. Maybe, and I want you to hear me, some of you young people specifically, maybe there are some of you here today that have long since felt that maybe God is calling you into full-time ministry. Maybe God is calling you to step out of your comfort zone and to become that person that might be a pastor, be a missionary, be a worship leader, be a youth pastor. Maybe today is the day you respond to the call. Maybe today is the day where you say, yes, here I am, send me. And I encourage you, if maybe that's you, if God is the Holy Spirit of God is working on you right now to respond to that call, may I encourage you to come down here and just kneel here and just pray, God, here I am, use me. Maybe you want to come and join our church, come for baptism, whatever God is telling you today. Let's stand right now. Let's sing. Step out right now. directly from God to be used by Him to reach this world with the gospel. Today when you leave this place, man, be faithful. Look for those opportunities. I promise you this, before the sun goes down tonight, God is going to put someone in your path that needs to know who Jesus is. The question is, will you be faithful? Will you tell them? I guarantee it will happen. It might be at lunch, might be at dinner. It might be when you drive down the street into your neighborhood. It might be when you get to your home. It might be in your own family. Will you be faithful? And I'm telling you, if we want to see kingdom impact, if we want to see the world change, it's going to start when you and I are simply willing to be obedient to the mission and the call that God has given to us. Our altar remains open. Our team remains here. We'd love to talk with you. Man, God bless you. Go out and change the world. If you're planning on going to Israel with us, just step next door to the Bruner Hall for a quick meeting. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. 
If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.